offers insights and advice about how anyone at home, at work, in the community can make the world a better place. He is a dedicated friend who inspires me to believe in myself and has helped me understand how I can advocate effectively for my ideas. Adam is one of the most important influences in my life. Through the pages of this magnificent, I didn't say that right, magnificent. <laughs> okay, I'm not gonna try to say that again. Um, book, he will enlighten, inspire, and support you as well. Mythbuster. Conventional wisdom holds that some people are innately creative, while most have few original thoughts. Some people are born to be leaders, and the rest are followers. Some people can have real impact, but the majority can't. In originals, Adam shatters all of these assumptions. He demonstrates that any of us can enhance our creativity. He reveals how we can identify ideas that are truly original and predict which ones will work. He tells us when to trust our gut and when to rely on others. He shows how we can become better parents by nurturing originality in our children and better managers by fostering diversity of thought instead of conformity. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> a part of me wants to be like reading this um, in a library for a bunch of people and just like getting a bunch of creative people to be like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs>
Encyclopedia. 
On a cool fall evening. 
tradition, originality involves introducing and advancing an idea that's relatively unusual within a particular domain and that has the potential to improve it. Honestly, I like this definition of originality a lot. Kleptomenesia is a new word that I just learned right now, but I think it makes a hundred percent sense because many times about creativity and ideas in general and the way that I think about ideas which if you remember if you're a listener who's stuck with me throughout many episodes and if you remember the episode that I uh, published about the book um, Big Magic and Courage um, in Big Magic um, Elizabeth Gilbert talks about how ideas are almost like their own energy, they're just like this, their own little thing, they exist, we can't see them, but they're like, always there, like, think of like parallel universes, and just like, just like all the possible things that could ever exist, already exist, and ideas are pretty much like that, they just exist in the ether, and our minds um, just have to, like, catch them, basically capture them, um, grab them when we see them, but, um, that tricks us into thinking that the idea is our own, but it's really not, it's just, it's like, it's just that we become, like, the vessel, um, from which it might fruition in some form or another, um, based on, like, what we do with the idea, but the idea itself is, like, its own entity that exists with all this potential. And, uh, yeah, so I think what Adam is saying here is, um, we all have kleptomenesia in the sense that we all think that we have original ideas, but, um, the ideas are just already there and we just find a way to present it in like a different way relative to the context that we're 
weren't any more likely to leave their positions than those who had stayed in the same job for five years. Hunting for other hints, he noticed that his team had captured information about which internet browser employees had used when they logged in to apply for their jobs. On a whim, he tested whether that choice might be related to quitting. He didn't expect to find any correlation, assuming that browser preference was purely a matter of taste. But when he looked at the results, he was stunned. Employees who used Firefox or Chrome to browse the web remained in their job 15% longer than those who used Internet Explorer or Safari. Wow, what an interesting question he asked. That's making me, like, think again about the question that I asked earlier about the relationship between the weather in Virginia and this whole therapy industry. Okay, back to the book. Um, well, anyway, before I go back to the book, it is really fascinating that he just, on a whim, had this question. And then the question was just, like, related to whether using, like, a web browser was related to how long you stayed in a job. See, this is what I mean about making connections from random things. Um, you gotta trust your intuition sometimes, and you just gotta follow the question. I mean, even if your hypothesis is wrong, you end up learning, and it will lead you to discover new things, and isn't that the whole scientific process? Okay, back to the book. Thinking it was a coincidence, Hausman ran the same analysis for absences from work. The pattern was the same. Firefox and Chrome users were 19% less likely to miss work than Internet Explorer and Safari fans. Then he looked at performance. His team had assembled nearly 3 million data points on sales, customer satisfaction, and average call length. The Firefox and Chrome users had significantly higher sales and their call times were shorter. Their customers were happier too. After 90 days on the job, the Firefox and Chrome users had customer satisfaction levels that Internet Explorer and Safari users reached only after 120 days at work. It's not that the browser itself cause, that's causing them to stick around, show up dependably and succeed. Rather, it's what their browser preference signals about their habits. Why are the Firefox and Chrome users more committed and better performance on every metric? The obvious answer was that they're more tech-savvy, so I asked Houseman if he could explore that. This makes me proud to be a Firefox user. I used to be a Chrome user and I still use Chrome occasionally because some things just don't open up on Firefox or aren't supported by Firefox. Um, but yeah, for the majority of my internet usage, I use Firefox. Okay, back to the book. The obvious answer was that they're more tech-savvy, so I asked Houseman if he could explore that. The employees had all taken a computer proficiency test, which assessed their knowledge of keyboard shortcuts, software programs, and hardware, as well as a time test of their typing speed. But the Firefox and Chrome group didn't prove to have significantly significantly more computer expertise and they weren't faster 
questioning whether a better one was available. To get Firefox or Chrome, you have to demonstrate some resourcefulness and download a different browser. Instead of accepting the default, you take a bit of initiative to seek out an option that might be better. And that act of initiative, however tiny, is a window into what you do at work. Oh my god, I feel like patting myself on the back. This totally describes how I was at my last job. I was amazing at it. Yes, I quit it. I quit it for reasons related to values and what I believe in and the company just becoming uncreative. I'm not regretting why I quit. I'm quite proud that I quit with a company that was becoming so monotonous. Um, but at the same time, I feel super, super nice reading this little paragraph here because this is the kind of person that I am. I go above and beyond. If you give me a problem to solve, I will go above and beyond to solve it. And that is why I know that it's their loss and not mine. Um, that I don't work for them anymore. <laughs> but, okay, back to this. The customer service agents who accepted the defaults of Internet Explorer and Safari approached their job the same way. They stayed on script and sales calls and followed standard operating procedures for handling customer complaints. They saw their job descriptions as fixed, so when they weren't happy with their work, they started missing days and eventually just quit. Okay, now reading this second paragraph here. I'm questioning what my motivations were. Um, so, I was missing days and I quit, but not because I wasn't putting in the work. Simply because I was putting in more work than most people were putting in. And expected to do more just because I was smart and just because I was diligent and just because I really did give a fuck. And, um, and when I started missing days, it was because of my own mental health and not wanting to give a fuck anymore because it's hard to be one of the few to problem solve and find new ways of doing things when most of the team is just slacking or wanting to maintain the status quo or even when the freaking boss and um, just the hierarchy of the corporate structure is telling you that you have to just do as you're told and not be creative. Okay, little rant. <laughs> 
Starting point is curiosity, pondering why the 
Hopefully they're 
activities or things that are not usually considered artistic, but I can't even think of an example. Um, so, although I'm going to leave room for that point, for that argument, I think that for the most part, even if the artistry comes with like building Legos or doing something that's more like a, like a logical type of art, it's still art. Like the act of creativity has so many forms. You could be a programmer and that's still an artist because you have to like make code and you have to like make things. Anytime you're making something or finding ways to build something or new ways to do something, that is an artistic act. That is a creative act. Maybe I should use the word creative instead of artistic. But you get the point. I just want you to use your brain. <laughs> I mean, that sounds really like like duh, of course. We all use our brains every day, right? But no, like stretch it a bit, challenge it a little bit, find a new solution to a current issue or problem. Just challenge your mind to find a new way of thinking about something and again this is not something you can just like force like it doesn't work that way, but just get curious. Just open up to the idea, get curious and just do something slightly Slow. I'm like a a late bloomer. Well, 
every single day.